It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. In March of 2014, Paramount Pictures released the epic movie, Noah. The movie is said to be a biblically inspired epic film. Some have watched this film and it has raised questions about the character of God. How could God, who the Bible says is loving, destroy the earth with a flood? This week on It Is Written, we will take a look at how this entire story was started. Noah is first mentioned in the Bible in Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. In Genesis chapter 5, the Bible gives the genealogy of the generations from Adam, the first created man, to the sons of Noah. At this point, there is only this brief mention of Noah and the comfort he will bring. Now, in biblical times, names had great meaning. And in the original Hebrew language, Noah's name literally means resting, quietness, a soothing or a resting place. We will soon see the significance of Noah's name. Now, Noah was the son of Lamech and the grandson of Methuselah. Methuselah was the oldest man to ever live. Noah lived at a time where humankind often lived for hundreds of years. The Bible goes on to say this in Genesis chapter 5. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 500 years and 95 years, and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. When Noah was 595, his father passed away. Noah had three sons and lived a life seeking God. The question that is brought up is why is this story of some four to 5,000 years ago important to us today? Jesus indicates this story, which the Bible tells us was a literal event of history. Jesus said it was important. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the son, the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus indicates one of the important features to understand about the flood event. One of those important features is in reference to the second coming. The flood is a lesson to us today about how the second coming will work. 
In one of the parallel gospels, the gospel of Luke, the words of Jesus are recorded in Luke 17, verses 26 and 27. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. The story of Noah and the flood is an event of history that we should look and we should look to it in preparations for the second coming of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't the only one who counseled us to specifically study the events surrounding Noah. The book of Hebrews says these words in reference to Noah. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. Hebrews 11 and in verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. The events surrounding the life of Noah are a lesson of faith. As we study about Noah, we will see that Noah moved by faith and trusting in God completely. As we live in these last days of earth's history, we too can have confidence in God. Are you distressed by the news of today? Are you feeling insecure about the future? We will study the life of Noah and find hope to have faith and confidence in God today because God will take care of us. Peter also entreats us to study the story of Noah and the worldwide flood in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 20. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Noah serves as a reminder of the importance of baptism and the symbolic cleansing and saving power of baptism by immersion in water. In his second letter, Peter also gives instruction and counsel on Noah. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah also serves as a lesson that it is important for us today. A day of reckoning will come. There will be a judgment of this earth and God will make all wrongs right. The story of Noah is a literal event that really happened in history that should be studied as a lesson for us. It is a lesson that prepares us for the second coming. It is a lesson of faith that we can have confidence in God. And it is a lesson that there is a judgment that separates the right from the wrong. So let's go back to the Bible and read about the story of Noah and the flood. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Genesis chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8. 
Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, before we deal with this entire story, I want to take notice and emphasize the very last verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We must remember all throughout this passage that the story of Noah is a story of grace. It is the story of the grace of God. The grace of God is the very undergirding of the whole story of Noah. What is grace? Now that would probably take an entire show or series of shows to answer fully, but the simple answer is this. It is God's unmerited or undeserved favor toward humanity. The story of Noah is the demonstration of God's grace. Now, as we just read, the condition of Noah's day was one of great depravity. In next week's program, we will study how that happened to humanity. But today, I want us to look at the very origin of the problems faced in Noah's day. Remember, verse 5 says this, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Later in chapter 6, it says this in verse 11, The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Did you hear the words being used to describe the conditions of Noah's day? Wickedness, evil, corrupt violence. How could such a condition exist? The timing of the story of Noah is just over a thousand years after the creation of the earth. And remember, the creation was perfect. It was harmonious. How could it now, in such a short time, be wicked, evil, corrupt, and violent? Well, we need to go back in time. We need to go back to that garden, that harmonious and perfect garden But something imperfect happened there. We go back just a few chapters to Genesis chapter 3. And there we are introduced to the most heinous villain of all time. We are introduced to the arch enemy of God and his people. We are introduced to the origin of evil. We are introduced to the originator of evil and wickedness. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 The Bible says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Who is this cunning serpent that is introduced into the perfect and harmonious garden? Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 tells us specifically who this serpent is. We go from that first book of Genesis to the last book, Revelation. Revelation chapter 12 tells us who this cunning serpent is. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. The serpent is the devil or Satan. In order for us to understand the story of Noah, we must understand whom the originator of evil and wickedness is. Jesus spoke about the devil in John chapter 8 and verse 44. John chapter 8 and verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil is a murderer and the father of lies. Later, after writing the gospel, John wrote in his first epistle, 1 John 3, he wrote these words about the devil. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The devil has been a sinner from the beginning. A few verses before, and in verse 4, John said this, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, or some versions say sin is the transgression of the law. This is the breaking of the law of God, the Ten Commandments. The devil is the originator of all evil, of all wrongdoing, of all wickedness and all violence. The story of Noah and the problems of society can be traced right to the devil himself. But some will say, didn't God make the devil? The answer is no. God doesn't create or do evil. God is good. He is love. He never makes anything bad. But then where did the devil come from? We need to go a bit further back in history. Sometime in eternity's past, a being was made that was perfect and beautiful. Ezekiel 28 tells the story of this being. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verses 12 to 15. Ezekiel 28 verses 12 to 15. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Lucifer was beautiful. He was perfect in beauty. Lucifer was covered in precious stones. 
The Bible says that he was the anointed or covering cherub. Now, a cherub is a specific type of angel. The covering cherub was an angel that stood next to the very throne of God. Lucifer was the highest ranking angel of all of heaven. But something happened. This angel that was perfect turned away from his perfection. See, I didn't finish reading verse 15. The end of verse 15 says this, till iniquity was found in you. Iniquity is another word for sin. Something happened. Lucifer, the perfect angel, the one perfect in beauty, the one who served next to the very throne of God, he sinned. What could have happened that a perfect angel would sin? The book of Isaiah paints a picture of the situation and helps us understand. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The story of Lucifer is really tragic. He was the highest ranking of angels. He was perfect. He had it all. But he wanted something more. He wanted a throne above God's. He wanted to be the leader of the universe. In fact, he wanted to take the place of God. He thought he could do a better job. He thought he could do things better. He wanted to be in charge. And with such pride, he sinned in his own heart for he wanted to be God. Lucifer was a created being. He couldn't be God because he couldn't be worshiped. Revelation chapter four and verse 11 tells us why God can be worshiped, tells us why Jesus can be worshiped. Revelation chapter four and verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. We only worship the creator. The creation worships the creator. Lucifer was a created being, yet he desired the place of God and he undoubtedly desired to be worshiped. The biblical record of what happened next is not very detailed. Undoubtedly, God would have labored with Lucifer to change his thoughts and his ways. There really is no question that Lucifer likely shared his doubts about God with all the other angels around him. And like all matters, at some point, there came a day of reckoning. Revelation chapter 12 describes the day of reckoning that happened in heaven. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Did you hear this? War in heaven. How is that possible? It seems that Lucifer, through his iniquity, through his sin, began to sow seeds of doubt and rebellion in heaven. Some of the angels listened to him. And then war broke out in heaven. Now, we don't know what kind of war it was, but it was clearly over the supremacy of God. The question was being asked, who is supreme? Ultimately, Lucifer who had now transformed himself into Satan, the great dragon, the devil. Ultimately, he lost, along with his other angelic followers. Earlier, the Bible says that it was one-third of the angels that followed in Satan's rebellion. Finally, their punishment was that they were to be banished from heaven. In order for us to understand the story of Noah, we need to understand the fall of Lucifer. Lucifer was a perfect angel, created by God, but he changed, he rebelled, he sinned. He wouldn't back off his position and was banished from heaven. And he will ultimately be destroyed. God didn't make the devil. God made a perfect angel that through his own selfishness made himself the devil. If God had destroyed him immediately, it would have raised questions all throughout heaven about God's justice. Instead, God has allowed the devil to sow his seeds of wickedness that the universe would know how evil the devil really is. The story of Noah shows us the extent to which evil can develop. Now, we will study this further. Until that time, what can we learn from today? There is a great war waging. It is behind the scenes. We cannot see it. But it is a war between two beings, a war between Christ and Satan, a war for your soul, a war asking, which master will you serve? Satan is the author of evil and wickedness and injustice. It is because of him that bad things happen to good people. God loves you and he wants to save you. He wants to take you to heaven where there is perfect peace and happiness. Do you want to choose to follow Jesus today? Do you want to say today, Jesus, I only want to serve you. If this is your desire, why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we desire to serve you we know we cannot serve two masters. We know that there is a war waging over our souls and we want to choose you. And so today we come to you and we ask you to enter into our lives that we would serve you forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Hi everyone. May I ask, what's in your medicine cabinet? Hopefully you are eating a wonderful array of vegetables and fruits as they are protective of your good health. When we are eating well of God's amazing plant bounty, we can expect to not get sick with colds and flus as often as other people do. But every once in a while, we might succumb to some virus or bacteria that's out there. That's when you need to have really helpful natural remedies on hand. Here are four of my recommendations. Activated charcoal has been in use for over 3,000 years for health and healing. Made from wood, vegetables, and other materials, it's able to attract and bind many harmful substances. It is also amazing at filtering toxins. In some poisoning situations, activated charcoal is highly beneficial. And then garlic. It's remarkable for its antibacterial and antiviral properties. Feel a cold coming on? Nip it in the bud by boiling two cloves of garlic in two cups of water for around 10 minutes. Drink this tea throughout the day. Ginger. It's been proven to be very effective in alleviating the unsettling symptoms of motion and seasickness, including dizziness, nausea, vomiting, and cold sweating. And lemons. They are famous for their strong antibacterial, antiviral, and immune-boosting powers. Here's a recipe that can ease chills and fever symptoms. Add the juice of one lemon to a cup of hot water with honey and drink at once, and then every two hours until the fever or chill subsides. I hope you'll add these suggested superheroes to your medicine cabinet, along with fruits, vegetables, and especially the dark leafy greens. I'll see you next time. Friends, the story of Noah is a story of the great controversy between good and evil, a war waging between Christ and Satan. I want to offer you a special edition of the magazine Signs of the Times. This magazine called The Great Controversy will help increase your understanding of this battle waging over your soul. It will be a valuable resource for your spiritual library. I'm going to encourage you, once you get this magazine, to read this magazine, to study this magazine, compare it with Scripture and help it to prepare you. Jesus is looking for a people who are prepared to meet him. This magazine, The Great Controversy, will help you. Here's the information you need to receive today's special offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's program. You know, the story of Noah teaches us about the great controversy of good and evil, the battle between Christ and Satan. 
I want to encourage you to go to our website, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you can find a wealth of resources to help you in your spiritual growth to be prepared for Jesus. You can also go to youtube.com forward slash IIW Canada. There you will find the archived programs so you might find hope and encouragement to follow Jesus. You know, each of us finds ourselves facing problems and crises in life. But Jesus can be trusted and he wants you to have confidence in him. I want to invite you to watch next week's program. Until then, though, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.